Welcome to Talking with the Experts. This is where we discuss great ideas to take your business to the next level. How do we know these ideas work? Well, it's because we're talking with business owners who are using these ideas. Business owners who have years of experience and expertise. All things business by business owners for business owners. And now, here is your host, Rose Davidson. Hi, I'm Rose Davidson from Talking with the Experts. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Global Glamping Charities for their valued support. Global Glamping Charities, solving homelessness in all its forms. Reach out to them at globalglamping.org. Talking with the Experts. In this insightful discussion, Tom Pearce will explore the intricate balance between human and technological resources in episode 477. But I was lucky to come at technology from the perspective of the non-technological workers that I was trying to help. And I have consciously embedded myself with end-user communities. Not, I haven't surrounded myself with other programmers and analysts. I have, since I started my own business, I have hired about half of my staff has never written a line of code, but they have learned how to communicate with programmers about what the other people want. Because there is a huge communication gap between your your technical people and your subject matter experts. And and you, you develop this sort of breed of bilingual people who understand how to how to grasp a problem they're familiar with it. And, and communicate it in terms that a program software architect engineer can, can help with. Never lose those people. Talking with the experts. Hello and welcome to Talking with the Experts. I'm your host, Rose Davidson from rosedavidson.com. Talking with the experts is about business by business owners for business owners. You can find it on all good podcasting streaming platforms and on YouTube. Today, my guest is Tom Pierce, and we're going to be discussing balancing human and technological resources for enhanced efficiency. Now, Tom will explore the intricate balance between human and technological resources to achieve greater efficiency within your organisation. He draws uh, from his extensive experience in bridging the gap between human and computer systems, and he will share best practices for blending the unique strengths of both human intelligence and advanced technology. Um, And he's going to discuss with us some strategies for equipping teams with the right tools. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me all the way from Kentucky. Thank you so much, Rose. It's a pleasure to be with you. So tell me, how did you get into doing what you're doing? Well, I kind of fell into it or, or slipped into it, one might say. Um, it, it goes back, uh, I think, uh, Middle Ages or something like that, uh, into the early 80s. Um, I had gone to college on an RTC scholarship. I had had a grand total of one class in eighth grade in computer science, but had loved computers ever since. So after college, after my training, I was trained as an army logistician, um, I got tapped on my very first day to join an analysis team. And my boss had a one of the earliest desktop computers. It was a Hewlett Packard. 
and a room full of very bright, very seasoned veterans with the, you know, what we call a spreadsheet now is an electronic version. I'm talking the old paper versions, the four foot by eight foot fill a conference room table, adding machines, sharp pencils, pencil sharpeners. And I noticed how much time and energy these guys were spending doing that. And I had already learned enough about computers to know that I could help them. And, and so it, it was so funny. This was my big introduction. One of the brightest guys there, Ted Elston, knew what he was doing with simulation modeling and logistics planning. And I watched him try to mimic what he was doing on the computer. He checked every piece of math with his adding machine developed confidence in me. That was the key. And from there, I was able to use the computer to help his job go easier. That became writing simulation models for missile support and ammunition support for the Army, which became writing a logistics application, which became installing an ERP system at a Navy defense facility in Louisville. And uh, that that facility, I am still supporting, though it's changed hands three times. And needless to say, the technology has changed a bit. So I I, I was brought into uh, computing and into business because I knew how to use a computer to help a human problem. Mm. And and I feel like so many people these days grow up sort of in an isolated cavern of computers. And, you, you know, they expect the requirements to be handed to them on some form, electronic or otherwise. And and the old joke in computer science is, oh, my God, don't tell me you gave them what they asked for instead of what they needed. Because you you really have to develop an understanding, interesting relationship with people to be able to use technology in a way that actually benefits them instead of it gets in their way. I don't know what your experience is, but. Seems like everywhere I go, somebody's ready to throw away their computer uh, or, or their phone or or their you know uh, credit card reading machine, and and when the technology doesn't work for all of us, it it gets in our way, and, and so really paying attention to whether or not the stuff you're doing with technology is actually helpful to people and what they're trying to do, it's it's kind of a forgotten art. It is. I I did that uh, back in the 80s as well. Um, I worked for a government organisation here, uh, Law Enforcement Agency, and they used to pay a book bounty for people who were publishing books. And they had this um, um, form that they filled out, you know, by hand, and it was like really long and drawn out. So I got, um, when we got our first Microsoft computers, of course, then we had um, Access, which was um, you know, how to build um, databases and so forth. And I made a database and so all they had to do was go, go click, 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 and, you know, everything was done and it was sent off to, to Canberra and and, um, and Canberra loved the form so much that they uh, implemented it across the, the nation. So I was really there happy with that. And, um, yeah, so uh, it, it's it you don't have to be that technologically savvy to be able to do something as long as you've got the I guess the dedication and the and the perseverance to work it out absolutely and you know I did side issue we're in the process of building a new house and I was there yesterday with this old codger who's hard of hearing incredibly sweet guy once he understands what you want he's got his power tools all set up in what will someday be my living room 
and he can make something faster than he can explain to you what he's going to make. He just knows how to use the tools. You put those same impressive power tools in my hands, you don't get the same result. No. <laughs> it, it's the marriage of the really powerful modern tools with people who know how to use them. Yeah. And that's the connection some, that matters. Yeah, I think that's the point. I mean, you're right. We all get frustrated with technology because it doesn't work when we want it to work. And unfortunately, you know, it gets it gets tired too. The internet does get tired. But, you know, you have to just either just be patient or find a workaround. You know, I, I, I ran a summit uh, in March and the power went out here. So I lost mm -hmm. half. I lost everything halfway through someone speaking. Thankfully, Zoom still was recording, so that was a bonus. But I was, you know, really, uh, how, how am I going to, like, interact with the audience and everything? I thought, well, I've got a, a tablet. I've got a phone. Just put them on and just hope for the best. <laughs> and and then it, it all worked out. And then, you know, then the power came back on. But honestly, you know, there's no point getting frustrated because things happen and you, you, you just exactly. have to find a workaround and it's you know I, I do you know I do have a bias because you know I I came into adulthood at the same time that Bill Gates was introducing Microsoft and Steve Jobs was introducing Macintosh and so I, I get very frustrated with programmers and, and technology designers that aren't paying attention to what the human end user needs and and they just make it way more frustrating than it should be. And I got another kind of pet peeve that sometimes that's that's the result of upper management seeing technology as a way to control people. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to make sure you do what I want and, and I'm going to have monitors on you. And and, and that that's when the computer becomes the enemy of the people. And yes. you're not really giving your people the tools they need to do their job well. You're you got it backwards. Yeah, we have a, a very uh, well-known social media uh, platform that, you know, makes chops and changes and does all this stuff, doesn't let anybody know what they're doing and, you know, there's <laughs> glitches and bugs and all sorts of horrible things going on and, you know, you could do something yesterday that you can't do today and then vice versa and it's just right. very, very frustrating for the end user. That they're making these changes for the... I think sometimes just for change's sake, rather than want uh, giving the people what they want. Yeah, there, there was a there was a great hallway conversation I had with a couple of consultants from uh, Pricewaterhouse, I think it was, and uh, they were advising an ERP implementation that I was working on, and just in a hallway break with a lot of frustration, I asked the guys, you know, the compressed schedule to do the implementation in months, uh, weeks, in, in in some modules. And I asked them, how long does it typically take the user community to embrace the new technology and get comfortable with it to where they can do their job as efficiently as they did before? They looked at each other, talked for a minute, and they said, on average, about seven years. And it's like, for heaven's sakes, we're rushing through this process in weeks and months. And when you change everything, I've heard somebody compare it to the grocery store you go to, if they moved everything, it would be chaos in there for a while. Yeah, I've been through supermarkets that have done that. They've they've uh, yeah. <laughs> remodeled and moved absolutely everything. And, oh, my God, it was just such a nightmare to go shopping. And you hear people saying, well, you just need stronger management at the top to force people to change. 
people don't work that way. People don't change because you make them. So. Yeah. So how do we solve this problem, Tom? How, you know, to get the, the human um, behaviour integrated mm-hmm. with the technological side because it's not an easy task to oh, do. Oh, heavens that. no. Not easy at all. And, uh, you know, the short answer for me is uh, I, I hope that you get as lucky as I was, uh, which, you know, there is a lot of luck involved. But I was lucky to come at technology from the perspective of the non-technological workers that I was trying to help. And I have consciously embedded myself with end-user communities. Not, I haven't surrounded myself with other programmers and analysts. I, I have, since I started my own business, I have hired about half of my staff has never written a line of code. But they have learned how to communicate with programmers about what the other people want. Because there is a huge communication gap between your, your technical people and your subject matter experts. And, and you, you develop this sort of breed of bilingual people who understand how to, how to grasp a problem they're familiar with it and, and communicate it in terms that a program software architect engineer can, can help with. Never lose those people. Always engage the, the people that are really good at the interface and at the same time, embed your programmers in the environment. You know, programmers classically don't have a lot of soft skills, but, you know, we can all learn and you know, put them in front of the customer that's using the tool that they designed so that they can actually see the frustration, see the eyes light up when they see something they like, watch them use it. You know, never lose focus on the goal that you're trying to help people, not just businesses. You're not just trying Absolutely. to enhance yeah. profit and drive, you know, all that. You're, you're trying to help the workers do their jobs more efficiently. So it's it, it's a very intentional day-by-day discipline of, of the human connection. And personally, I think that's getting ever more interesting and ever more challenging as, you know, the proliferation of technology, that you know, the recent explosion in chat GPD is, is incredible. And I've been kind of humored, pleasantly humored, by the fact that, that my inbox is now full of people giving advice on how to talk to your AI. Here are the prompts they'll understand. Here, here's and it, it reminds me of learning how to talk to my grandchildren. You know, when they're just learning how to speak, it's two directional. You you teach them words, and then you understand what word they use to mean what thing. And and the language grows through repetition. And, and so we're going to have to learn to talk to heavens. I had a a Ford. Uh, with, with one of those sync voice recognition, no, we we never get along. Yeah, the, the the computer never understood what I was trying to say. I'd ask for directions somewhere and would place a phone call. No, we we didn't get better. But the other technology, the humans and the designers, have to keep working together to bridge the communication gaps. Yeah. It's not something that's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. We've been bridging communication gaps. That, you know, you and I both speak English, but not in quite the same way. And certainly the my ancestors are from Scotland. Please don't dump me in Scotland and expect me to communicate effectively. We have to learn how, whether it's human or digital. 
Well, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, programmers are like engineers. They speak their own language and they sometimes yes. forget that there are other humans on the on the planet that don't speak the language that they speak. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because they've been too isolated. I had I had one friend at a, at a conference and he got so tired of the, you know, irritating users, annoying his programmers. He locked them in a basement and didn't allow the users to talk to him. All the requests had to go through him. And his exaggeration, hyperbole was, he would give the, the re, slide the request under the door along with the pizza. You know, here's your pizza, here's your request, go do the programming. That doesn't work. You, you get more lines of code written, but you don't get the problem solved that way. No, you don't. And, and you, you know, I mean, I love AI. I have embraced mm -hmm. it full on. And, you know, I trained chat GPT, GPT in about five minutes, introduced okay. myself, told it what I wanted, and now it writes everything in my voice. And I think, oh, my goodness, uh, how could I not, have, how could I, how did I live without this before? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. And now with a chat GTP4 now out, which I have ac early access to the new one, and oh, it, it's so amazing. I love it. Right. And and just the fact that you've already gotten to that point, to, to the love. We we use relational terms when we talk about technology. And, you know, we call him and her. Like I, I tell people all the time, jokingly, that I will believe in artificial you know intelligence when Alexa knows that I'm mad at her. You know, right now she gives me all these reminders I don't want to hear. I have to figure out how to tell her, please don't do that again. But my four-year-old grandson can just look at my face and say, yeah, I better not do that again. <laughs> but what really frightens me is what happens when Alexa gets mad at me? Because now we got to work that angle out. But yes. Well, it yeah. It's a I've met Alexa. Issue. I've met the real Alexa. She's, no, she's lovely. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> please tell her I, I didn't mean her directly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I look, but I do understand what you're saying. If you don't train the AI the way you want it to, it's not going to work the way you want it to. It's like, yeah, as you say, teaching a child how to, how to right. talk. It's it, you know, and, and using their words. It you need to teach them, and so you need to teach AI as well. So you know, if it comes up with the wrong stuff, it, it's a computer or a, a, an intelligence is only as good as the information that it's given. So you have to Which keep is also that true of humans. <laughs> yeah, you yes. have to keep that in mind. I mean, they aren't human, so they need to know what they need to do and you need to be human enough to be right. able to teach the intelligence of this software or program, whatever, right. to do what you ask. It's not going to do it on its own. And if you just leave it right. to its own devices, it's not going to. It's not going to give you the result that you want. And if, you, if you'll indulge me in a bit of irony, I, I find it fascinating in a comical way how much time and energy and attention is being paid to teaching the technology what you want it to do, where during my career, I've seen the time, energy, and money spent teaching employees drop precipitously. People are hired to sit in a chair and say, go figure it out. We're smart enough to know that you can't do that with AI. We should be smart enough to know it doesn't work with humans either. You have to teach human intelligence what yes. you expect of them how to do it. Absolutely. You can't just 
yeah, say, well, here's your, here's the file. Fix it. <laughs> well, you know, what do you want me to fix? I've had bosses that have done that. Here is yes. the problem. Fix it. Um, but I don't know what the problem is <laughs> and I don't know what you want, what outcome you want. It's really frustrating as, you know, as a high level um someone in that's high level in the organization doesn't know how to speak to their staff in such right. a way that that can their instruction can be understood and we're not mind readers we haven't actually evolved to that stage in life where we can read exactly other i'm not minds. sure we will <laughs> yeah i'm sure we will sometime in the future we won't be in our lifetime but <laughs> but yeah so you know i guess um you know how can we i guess become more efficient as humans and balance right. that, uh, you know, the resources that that we're given and that are presented to us. Well, you touched on it earlier, and you know, the love versus the fear. Uh, certainly, there are a number of people already talking about how many jobs are going to be replaced by AI. That conversation, and that you know, there's validity to fear. You know, a lot of fear is irrational, but that doesn't mean it's invalid. Uh, there is a reason for people to at least acknowledge the fear of what what is going to change about my life, my job security with this new technology. And certainly I've noticed, I've been around enough decades to notice that when people start fearing for their job uh, job security, their behavior changes in, in ways you don't want. Mm -hmm. and, and so developing the culture where the human intelligence is clearly affirmed and valued along with, and we don't just, you know, go gaga over, oh my goodness, look at this latest technology. Hey, you, whoever's not busy, I don't remember your name. Would you go do this job? No, let, let's let's balance that. Let's, let's keep just as engaged in valuing what the humans bring to the equation and and I do mean by that all the different types of intelligences, right? The the, the mental, the logical, the rational, the, the social, the emotional intelligence. Bring the full person into the relationship with the system of information flow, decision flow. Uh, you know, keep, keep everybody engaged. If we can get to where the humans are really partnered with their digital tools, the same way my carpenter was partnered with his power tools. They knew each other. You know, they, yeah. they just, when it gets to that point, it's like, you know, when learning how to drive a car, at first you're thinking about everything you do and you're worried about all the bad things that can go wrong. When you really get comfortable with your car, even if you don't have a self-driving car, it feels like you do. You mm -hmm. feel like the car knows how to get you to work. When you get familiar, and this is why the, the pace of change in technology is such an obstacle, when you get familiar with the technology you have, then it feels like an extension of yourself, feels like an extension of your own brain, your own hands. You know, the, I, I'm so old, I still remember the introduction of the mouse, and it, and it came in the computer-aided design world. And I just watched somebody is like, how are you getting the computer to do what you want by moving this little device? Wasn't that a wonderful invention? Yes, because That's it's so intuitive. Cute. It's yeah. so natural. And, I mean, and, I love know, it, technology. I embrace everything that comes new. I'm an, I'm an early adopter. I love them. 
I just love yeah. whatever comes and I have to try it. Like Windows 11, you know, people were saying how bad it is. I love it. I think it's wonderful. It's so much to it, but, you know. So and, forgive me for asking, mm. how did you develop that fearless approach? I, and, and I don't I don't want to probe too deep. I know there's a little bit of a story. I think I've had that since I was a child. I was always interested in new things, trying new things. Um and uh, yeah, and be, and I I can remember you know in the eighties when they were saying the internet was was coming and it was just we we had a uh, someone come around to all the states and and you know tell us about all how this um, uh, our agency was going to adopt the internet yeah. and yeah. you know we had the people there that had been there for a number of years and they poo-pooed it and said oh god it's you know it's useless it's hopeless but as soon as we got it I couldn't start learning to to use it and then I you know had the opportunity to teach others how to use it because exactly to me it was quite simple others found it really difficult but I I I mean the only thing I can't do is well that I don't do not that I can't that I don't do is code I because I don't understand it enough and I don't think that I have that type of brain that because I'm not a maths person, I'm not a numbers person. So, but you gave me, give me some HTML code, and I can put that into wherever, as long as I have a bit of instruction. That's code. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know how to necessarily know how to write, you know, great long strings of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I can write, a, you know, I can make something bold using code. I can make go. something italic using blocks. code, you know, but I, give me something that's going to change something else. Well, and and that's the key, right? You you start getting nervous about breaking stuff, which is legit. I mean, you know, I I used to, and forgive the dark humor, I I used to like entertain myself by thinking, even on a really bad day, if I do something wrong, nobody dies. Well, we've gotten to the point, yeah, where right, software mistakes can be fatal, actually. Um, So, understanding all of that, I, I still I go back to one of my earliest trainers who was introducing a new piece of software and one of the inquisitive uh, students asked, what happens if I press that key? And the instructor said, don't press that key. And why not? Well, we don't know what it does. Well, to me, that's an invitation to press the key to find out what it does. The human's going to press it. Exactly. Because we want to know what it does. You try (laughs) things that might not work. And I think the more we instill this fear of, oh, my God, don't do it a different way, because this is the way we know and this is the way it works. Even with advanced technology, we can fall right back into that same pit of we establish a right way to do it and never deviate. You know, and everybody has different opinions about Elon Musk. But, you know, to throw a million dollar rocket, you know, so many feet into the air and have it explode is Try stuff that might not work, you know? He's a Keep genius. Going. I think he's a genius. Despite his personal life, I think outside of that, he's work-wise, he's a genius. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And fearless in his own way. Totally, yeah. And I think if we all had that little bit of, little bit less fear about things right. that we don't understand, unfortunately, the human condition is that if we don't understand it, we fear it. Um, right. Rather than diving into it and and you know, touching our toes in the water to say, oh, maybe it's not going to hurt you after all. Right. Maybe just have the courage. It's not the lack of fear that's courage, right? It's the action in spite of fear. It's just yes, absolutely right. Press um, 
Tom, you um, have left me um, something that you want to promote, but you've only left me a link, so I'm not sure what it is that you wanted to promote. Oh, did I really? I think I think that might have been my my kind friend who's introduced me to the art of booking agency. Uh, so, um, oh, okay. so I, it's a link. It's i two s dot us. That's all it's got given me. So I'm not sure what. That oh, is. I'm sorry. Uh, the name of my company is Integrated Information Systems, which is a mouthful. So we abbreviated it I two S. Right. You know, like I squared S. Um, I tried to get i2s.com, but I lost that bidding war. So our URL is i2s.us. That's our website. From there, you can get to my LinkedIn page, my email. Um, Contact me. I'm not particularly trying to sell anything. I just really enjoy branching out. I've kind of been isolated in the defense industry my whole career, including my father and uncles and everything else. And I'm just recently trying to branch out into, you know, seeing if anything, any of my tools at my disposal, my experience can be helpful to some of the the smaller businesses where my heart really is. So we're we're just kind of trying to branch out and see what we can do to help folks with software, consulting, analysis, that kind of thing. Wonderful. Yeah, great. So if you want to find Tom, you can find him at um, HTTPS uh, colon slash slash i2s dot us it's a um, i'm going to go and check it out after and see what it's all about tom it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you it's been oh it's been wonderful and i i've loved having the the the, the conversation that we that we've had um Excellent. if you were to offer anyone some advice or some words of wisdom tom what might they be spend as much time learning what your people are good at as you learn to learn what your tools are good at, get to know them, get to know their strengths, their weaknesses, their joys, their fears, their inspirations, get to know the whole person and free them to be their best. Treat the technology as a tool you are giving them to make their life better and more productive. Don't treat the people as a necessary input device to make your technology work. I think that's great advice. Love that. I was just going to um, add to that, but you just finish it off perfectly. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again really soon. Thank you so much, Rose. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye for now. Bye now. You've been listening to Talking with the Experts, hosted by Rose Davidson. Make sure you have a look at our back catalogue over at talkingwiththeexperts.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any episode. We look forward to your company next time. Talking with the experts.